Welcome to the Southbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you are here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. I love that you said that because the person next to you could be wearing some really weird costume and now you just had to lie, all right? So there you go, all right. It's great. Glad that you're here. I want to look at a a unique kind of a sermon title this morning entitled, Which Way Is Up? In our world with so much confusion and so much where we're unclear about how to get to heaven, it seems that now more than ever, we need a clear roadmap of how do we get there. Because the scripture verses that we read, Jesus is talking, he's finishing or nearing the conclusion of a message he started in Matthew chapter number five, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. When Jane and I went to Israel in 2010, we were near the place that they believed that Jesus gave this sermon. And it's one of the most impactful portions of scripture. And as Jesus is nearing the end, he puts two verses. And these two verses are so important for us because he lets us know that there is a couple of things that go in twos. He says, first and foremost, he lets us know that when it comes to this, he says, there's two paths. There's two different paths. But there's not just two paths this morning. He lets us know that there's two directions, two destinations, but you can only make one decision. Two paths, two directions, two destinations, but only one decision. So first of all, I want us to look at the two directions, and he gives us some insight in what these directions look like. He said, one is a narrow road, and one is a broad road. And he lets us know that there's two different distinct paths that you can tell which one you're on by these distinctions. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, a broad road? I thought everybody wants to go to heaven. I believe that if you were to ask people, do they want to go to heaven? I think a high percentage of people would say yes. I think you could even ask a high percentage of people that if they believe they're going to heaven, they will also probably say yes. However, the scripture here reveals that there's this broad road and it says many are on the broad road. But where's the broad road going? He's saying the broad road is going to destruction. Destruction is the same word as hell. It's not headed to heaven. It's the exact opposite. So we have a group of people that Jesus is letting know. This isn't some man's word. This is Jesus' words. He's saying there's a bunch of people that they think they're on the road to heaven. But instead, as the song goes, they're on the highway to hell. So how do we make sure which road we're on? And he lets us know. And that's the, the great question. How do we determine what direction we're headed? Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we can be fooled by our own senses. Surfers, when they go out surfing, the greatest danger is not the great whites. The greatest danger is not the 20-foot wave. The greatest danger is not even the rocks. The greatest danger is if they get caught underneath that wave, the wave is going to spin them around and around and around, and they're going to get so disoriented when they're underwater, they are going to believe that they're swimming up to the surface to get air, when in actuality, they're swimming down deeper, and they run out of oxygen, and they pass out. 
So that's what's happened today because we now live in a culture that says all roads lead to heaven. But is that what Jesus says? He says no. He lets us know that there's a broad road, but that broad road is definitely not going to heaven. Matter of fact, today we have over 4,000 religions. So which one is right? I want to put a graphic up on the screen for you because it kind of breaks down the major world religions. It lets us know that Christianity, by and large, just slightly is still the predominant religion of the world. But Close second would be Islam. And so you have all these different major religions. You've got Buddhism there. You've got Mormonism. You've got all kinds of Eastern mysticism. And then you have those that they don't identify with any world religion. As we look at the graphic, you might find yourself somewhere up there. But the question is, at the end of the line, are you going to be in the right line? Because it's too big of a decision to leave our future to chance. Let's make it a choice. Let's decide today that we're going to get in the right line. I don't want to be stuck in the wrong line. I want to be in the right line. I want to be in the line that is headed to a future of life. But what's confused it? Could it be world religions? Because I think it's not just the world religions. I think we're puzzled by something called relativism. Relativism is simply this. It's what's true for you may not be true for me. And what's true for me may not be true for you. But as long as you have a truth. You see, it used to be in days gone by that our biggest concern is that whether we are good or bad. Nowadays, it's I'm just living my truth. That's relativism. And for you, you might be puzzled by relativism because you might have a relative, a friend, a coworker, or an associate, and they say, I'm a good person, and I believe that just being good is going to get me to heaven. That's relativism. But here's the thing about being good. That's a moving goalpost. Your definition of good and my definition of good are two totally different things. Because if you're the person that doesn't put his shopping cart from Costco back in the buggy station, you're not a good person. Because I try to park, and you left your cart next to your car, and now I can't park there. And that was the one open parking space on a Saturday. I don't think you're a good person. I'm being silly. But I also don't think you're, if you're a good person, I'm waiting in line and I kind of forget a little bit at the light. And then you honk at me. I don't think you're a good person anymore. Can you see how it's all, it's all relative? So what's the standard of good? Because there are people in all different parts of the world that they would say this is good and that's bad and that's good and that's bad. And we, we would all have a debate right now. If being good got you to heaven, if it was about being good, that's a tough one. And also, good luck finding a verse that says, just be good to get to heaven. God doesn't say it. He doesn't say, all the good people of the world will inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say that. So we are puzzled by relativism. We're perplexed by pragmatism. What's pragmatism? I'm just going to pick a path that works for me. So if... Buddhism works for me, well, just let me be happy. If Mormonism works for me, just let me be happy. If Christianity works for me, just let me be happy. If believing in nothing works for me, just let me be happy. An atheist, an agnostic, let me be uh, whatever I want. I'm just pragmatic. Just let me pick one. Once again, my friend, if this Bible is true, 
then it lets me know that I have to tell you you're in eminent danger. You say, what do you mean eminent danger? Because he says there's a broad road. Many are on this broad road, and that broad road is leading to destruction. It would be like me knowing that the bridge is out in the middle of a storm. I get there before you get there, but your car is driving at 75 miles per hour, and you're on your phone checking TikTok while you're driving, and you're going to miss that the bridge is out. And so I've got to do everything I can to wave you down so you don't drive your car off the edge. You're in eminent danger. You also need to make an immediate decision. And that's what we don't like. We don't want to make an immediate decision. But if you're in danger, why wouldn't you make a decision? Because we move on to the third part. We're puzzled, we're perplexed, but then we're paralyzed by legalism. What's legalism? That there is absolute truth. Isn't it amazing that we claim to want to just live our truth, but when somebody brings us the truth, all of a sudden we're like, well, you can't be right. We, we're so stubborn, too, because we want truth when it comes to our spouse or our boyfriend or girlfriend. We want the absolute truth. Do we not? No. Where did you go last night? Who are you with? How much did you spend? Who's this person texting you? And who's this person liking all your posts? Who's this floozy? I want to know right now. Let me know. I'm going to send her some messages. I got some words for her. Yeah, you want to know. You want the truth. Hey, don't we want the truth in the courtroom? Don't we want the truth when it comes to our politicians? Don't we want the truth when it comes to science? Don't we want the truth when it comes to our banker and how much we deposited that he's not skimming off the top, taking some? How is it that we want the truth in every area except when it comes to our eternal destiny? Then all of a sudden, let's go back to what's pragmatic and what feels good. Wait a minute, hold on now. That's called hypocrisy. But we don't want to do that. We just want to seem enlightened that, oh, no, 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 there can't just be one way to heaven. Yes, there, there is. My friend, I, I did not dedicate my life so that I could fool people. There's better things that I could be doing. I want to learn pickleball. I could be doing that. Right, Daniel? That would be fun. I should be doing that. But yet, if this is true, then you and I are, have to recognize that there are people that are in imminent danger, and they need to make an immediate decision. But this morning, I know you're just, you're, you're just paralyzed by legalism. Like, what will that mean if I have to make a decision? It'll mean that you have to rethink a lot of things. But yet, once again, we like the Fleetwood Mac song, Little Lies, Tell Me Lies, Sweet Little Lies, Comfort Me with Those Little Lies. And Satan has lulled us back into sleep with these sweet little lies that all roads lead to heaven. You see, could it be that the truth for you would be morally inconvenient? That if you finally did discover the truth, you would have to rethink everything you thought about your morality? And that to you is actually the bigger thing. That you would actually have to come to the point where you're like, wait a minute, if Jesus is Lord, that changes everything. It changes who I'm submissive to, how I live my life, how I treat my neighbors, how I treat my loved ones. It just changes everything. And that's the point. Jesus didn't come to save good people because there's none good, no, not one, the Bible says. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. God did not come to save good people. He come, came to save bad people. 
And you and I are bad people. And I know I may make a joke about you with your shopping cart. And you do need to work on that. But (laughs) barring that, you and I need to realize that we weren't just bad. We were sinners. And sinners puts us in a line that we did not choose. We were already on that Broadway because the Broadway has room. Room for what? Room for lying. Room for lust. Room for murder. Room for adultery. Room for my stealing. Room for my bad lifestyle. That's why it's broad because it has room for all my junk and all my baggage and all my sin. And when we get on that narrow path, Jesus says, you don't need that baggage. Give it to me. I'm going to cover it in the blood. I'm going to deal with it at the cross. That's why it's narrow because Jesus says, you don't need all the baggage. He carry it. By his stripes, we are healed. That's why it's a narrow way. He said, give me all that junk and all that sin. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed it from you, not from him. He said, I got to remove it from you. And that's the blessing that God says, I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to wipe it out. That's why it's a narrow way. But yet you and I were still dazed and confused. So Proverbs, the wisest man who ever lived, said this. He said, give careful thought to the path of your feet. This morning, would you give some careful thought to the line that you're in? And if you're in the wrong line, and the one big truth, at the end of the line, I want to make sure you knew you were in the right line. That's why you're invited. Some of you, your name is written on a card on that wall or on that wall. And we've been praying, pleading, asking God to speak to you that you would give your life to Christ maybe today or sometime. Because we believe that God wants to see you saved. And we're asking that you would consider What direction you're headed? Because I believe some of you, you're puzzled, paralyzed, and perplexed. But this morning, I want to help make it clear. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me, God. I I don't mean to brag, but since I'm up here and I have the microphone, I'm really good at a sense of direction. You can ask my wife. I never lived or grew up in San Diego, but when we were dating and engaged, she would call me. She would say, hey, I'm on the 15, and I'm lost. Where should I go? (laughs) It's pre-GPS, y'all. And I'd be like, all right, what did you just pass? You just passed the 8? Is the stadium off to your left? Oh, okay, I know exactly where you need to go. I just have a good sense of direction. And I, and I, Jane thinks this is funny. I say, you could drop me in a major city, and I'll figure my way out. I, I, I can get around. We traveled nearly 6,000 miles this past summer just touring the whole United States. Had a great time. Didn't get lost once. Thank you, Siri. But when it came to just getting lost, I just, I just don't have a problem with it. Last year, fall festival, family tradition, go out to Spina Farms. Anybody been to Spina Farms? Yeah, Spina Farms. A lot of fun. You should go. Little Spina Farms plug. We don't get royalties, but we should. You go out there. I'm going to take Kane. Kane wants to ride the train. Older kids are too old for the train. So Jane's like, you know what? I'll take him into the corn maze. And I said, maybe you should wait for me to go with you. He says, no, no, I got it. I'll grab the map. And in the map, it has a little marker so you can find your way in and find your way out. I said, I think you should wait. He's just like, I got this. I said, okay, I'm gonna take Kane. We're gonna get on the little choo-choo train. We're gonna sit around, take pictures, have a great time, get some uh, caramel corn. It's gonna be great. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the choo-choo train ride, I get a phone call. Who do you think it's from? This person. That's who it's from. Do you think they needed help? You think they were lost? Absolutely. They were lost. Like, I don't know where I am. But here's the funniest part. I heard other people in the background on her phone. I said, hey, I hear other people aside from Austin and Megan. She said, yeah, there's a group of us. They're following me. I said, are you kidding me? 
you got yourself lost. You got other people around you. You got a whole party. She said, yeah, well, they heard that I'm Filipino. And, not, and we just, we're, we're all Filipinos just lost in this corn maze. I said, hold up, babe. I'm coming. So I looked at Cain. I said, Cain. And Cain is so fun because he's so into whatever you want to do. I was like, Cain, you have to rescue mommy. And he's like, let's rescue mommy. I was like, let's go. We got to get in. And Cain just takes off. He's like, I'm coming for you, mommy. And I was like, Cain, hold up, hold up. Here's the secret to corn mazes. Because by this time it was dark. I said, we got to figure out where mom's at. So we asked, mom, where are you? He says, I don't know. But it's really dark and I can't hear anybody and there's no light. I said, perfect. I know where you're at. And I told Cain, I said, whenever you get in a corn maze and it's at night, you can find somebody. You can find. So we ran, we got Jane, and I'll finish the story in a minute. Cliffhanger. All right? If you're wondering what's happened, don't worry. She's right here, okay? But I'm going to come back to the story. But Jane had gotten so disoriented by the corn maze because that's what it was designed to do. Life and culture has been designed to get you disoriented by which direction. And here's what's crazy. The 4,000 is really like a magician's trick trying to distract you. It's not 4,000 choices, guys. It's two. You have two choices. There's only two. Satan's real good at getting you and I, like we're in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, Hmm, I don't know what I want. You're at Chick-fil-A. They make chicken. That's it. Just order something. It all tastes the same. Or you're at In-N-Out. Why does it take so long at In-N-Out? They make one thing. Why is it taking so long? Let's move. Let's go. We all want the same thing. Give me a double-double with the fries and make the fries extra crispy. That's it. Let's go. That's it. But we just sit there. Huh, I wonder. We do the same thing with our eternity, and God is like, hey, guys, it's not 4,000 options. There's two. It's heaven or it's hell. So we've looked at that we have, when it comes to this, there's two directions. Secondly, if you're taking notes, there's two destinations. He says in verse 13 and 14, he says, there's one path that is wide and it's broad, but it's open to destruction. But the small gate is narrow road that leads to life. My friend, seriously, consider in your mind, which one do you want to be on? Because if this is all fake and not true, I, I want to dare you. I'm going to go, little kid on the playground, I double dog dare you to disprove this book. It has stood the test of time for thousands of years. The great atheist Voltaire said that he was the French philosopher and atheist. He said, I will exterminate the Bible and Christianity in my lifetime. Do you know some Christians bought Voltaire's mansion and turned it in to a printing station? for the printing of these. This book withstands the test. There have been people that they've come up, they've tried to disprove it, disqualify it, and discard it. But here it stands. The number one sold book worldwide. Also, the number one stolen book worldwide. Get those figures. At Southridge, you don't gotta steal it. We'll give you a Bible. We don't want you to sin to get a Bible. But yet we have people that they still want to step back. And I'm trying to help you this morning that there's two destinations. And if there were all paths lead to heaven, wouldn't Jesus say so? 
Because what kind of good God makes it hard for people to get to heaven? If he's so good, why would he make it hard? He didn't. Satan's trying to confuse us. It's not hard. It's simple. This is why it's so important that we have a children's ministry that teaches young people the word of God because most people, when they get this at a young age, it stays with them. Why do you think the devil's after this next generation of children? Because if he can get them when they're children, he's got them forever. So this is why it's so important that you and I say, no, we're gonna save our young people. We're gonna put this word into their mind early on because this word has the power to transform them. So not all roads lead to life. Matter of fact, John 14, verse six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Ezekiel 18, 32, for I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. My friend, being good won't get you to heaven. Being better won't get you to heaven. I've heard that. I've said that. I'll just be better, God. God didn't ask you to be good or better. And God says, I take you as you are. If you will come to me, repent of your sin. Because he tells us, it's not about being good or, born or being better. It's about being born again. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In John chapter three, verse three, he said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's about being born again. I often get to teach at a Christian school in their chapel and I love it because I, I get to do my magic tricks and I got magic tricks and I hold this one and this is one of my magic tricks and Spencer knows this trick, so Spencer, don't give it away. And I'll hold this up and I'll say, boys and girls, there's not six ways to heaven. I'll say, there's not even three ways to heaven. And all the kids are like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I'll say, there's not four ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one. There's not multiple ways to heaven. I also get a better reaction from the little elementary kids from that trick too. They're usually like, whoa. I knew my wife would have something good. Anybody else got somewhere she can go today? I, I, I. The reality is this, there's one way. And we're trying to find all these different ways. So when it comes down to it, yes, there is two directions. There's two destinations. But here's my third and final point. We're going to close here. I'm going to invite the worship team back onto the stage. In verse 13, he says, enter through the narrow gate. I want you to see that though there's two directions, though there's two destinations, there's only one decision. There's only one. And my prayer for you, if you have not made that decision, today would be the day. The loved one next to you is praying that if you have not made the decision, that today you would make that decision. Because at the end of the line, we're praying that you are in the right line. We're asking God to speak to you. But to enter one thing means you have to exit another. Are you ready to exit a line to enter into the right one? My friend, you have the right of way. But are you headed the right way? We love it when we're first at the stop sign. 
But are you headed the right way? That's the message of these two verses. You and I were focused on the fact that I need to head to the right destination. And God is there to tell you it's all about the destination. And we get that. But to get to a destination means you made the right decision. So if there's a destination you're trying to end up at, you need to first say, am I making the right decision? And this is the greatest decision you can make. But Jesus tells us something. He says at the end of verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Only a few find it. And this is where maybe if you're not a child of God or a Christian or this is new to you and if you've never heard a message from a book called the Bible and you're saying, well, that's my issue right there. Why do I got to find it? Understand that this was translated into English. It wasn't originally written in English. So the word find is a different word, actually. It's the word perceive or see. That's the word. So it wasn't that it was a secret. It's that you couldn't see it. And my prayer for you is that your eyes would be open so that you could see it. Let's go back to a corn maze. You've been waiting on it. I looked at Cain. I said, Cain, you want to know the secret to get out of corn mazes? And he just looked up at me. I was like, we're going to rescue mommy, but here's what we're going to do. I know right where she's at. She's at the very back of the corn maze because it's all dark and she can't hear the crowd. So we're going to go to the back and we're going to find her. And sure enough, we found her. And I had told Cain, I said, how you get out of the corn maze is you don't need a map. You don't need the markers. I said, Cain, look to the west. I said, do you see a little glow of light off in the distance? Yeah. I said, follow the light. Follow the light. I said, that light is where the exit is. I said, Cain, you grab mommy's hand, and she's got half a dozen Filipinos with her. (laughs) And Cain, you are going to be the hero of this here story. But you, no matter whether you go left or right, you just keep headed towards that light. You just keep stepping towards that light. And you can ask Jane, did you make it out of the corn maze? She made it out of the corn maze. Yeah, that's a big feature. That's a big step. She didn't go back in this year, but uh, my question, are you following the light? There's a light trying to guide you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And Jesus is making it easy to find. But the decision you and I have is, are we following the light? The Bible even says, your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. This word will guide you in the right line. You and I have to make a decision. You see, the light has pointed you to see something that was previously hidden. It wasn't a secret. You just couldn't see it. And this morning, my prayer is that you would be guided by the light to get in the right line. 
Not the line of destruction, but the line of life. So once again, the question is this. At the end of the line, what line will you be in? The broad road or the narrow road? Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. This is the most important part of our service. I'm gonna ask that no worker slip out to your trunk or treat. I'll have those that are gonna get baptized in a moment be dismissed, but right now I need you to give a moment the most important thing that's gonna happen. And that is this, that if you know you're in the wrong line, you say, I need to switch lines. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is a moment between you and God where you say, I wanna receive Christ as my savior. If that's you, you say, today, I wanna switch lines. I wanna get in the right line. I have the right of way, but am I in the right way? And if that's you, you say, yes, today, Bukai, I wanna receive Christ. Is that you? You slip up a hand, can I pray for you? Anybody like that? Any hand? Hold it up high so I could see it, anybody? I see that hand, amen, God bless you, I see that hand. I see that hand, yes, sir, I see you. Yes, I see you in the balcony, yes, amen. Anybody else? Amen. I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray out loud, but if you pray silently, a simple prayer, it just goes like this. It's just real simple. I wrote it this morning, actually. It's a simple prayer. It says, Lord Jesus, I'm in the wrong line. And before I reach the end of the line, I want to get in the right line. I see now that you're the only one, the only way, the only life. I receive you. I receive your life. I receive your love. In your name I pray. Amen. As you pray that prayer, as you slip up your hand with a testimony, can we celebrate with you? We're going to worship together, but I'm going to invite those who, today's the day they're going to get baptized. You can be dismissed right now. If you're going to prepare to get baptized, I'm going to invite you to be dismissed. If you have not been baptized, you say, I want to get baptized. Well, don't wait. Today's your day. We've got everything you need to get baptized. And we got shirts. We got shorts. We got deodorant for afterward because Lord knows we all need a little bit of extra deodorant. And so you can grab that, but you can be dismissed right now. In just a moment, we're going to have those get baptized. Thank you for standing. Would you be seated right now for just a moment? Those that are getting baptized are going to prepare to get baptized. But I want to just once again just pray over us. Because I want to say this to you. We had three people give their life to Christ today, but there were many that you're a Christian. And I want to create environments where you can bring people to hear the message of Jesus. And maybe they don't get it right away, and that's okay. But we'll pray that they do get it, that God will keep working. But in the meantime, I want to remind you, the message is his, but the mission is ours. And though we're ending our series of who's your one, the mission doesn't stop. This is who we are. Southridge Church exists to lead people to find and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to prepare to have a baptism service. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this season. I thank you for bringing people here. I thank you for the ones that are about to go public in their faith. I thank you for their courage. I thank you that 
today's a special day that they'll never forget. I think that we can gather here. And Lord, I pray that as they make a public profession of faith, that you would use each and every one of us to go find somebody who doesn't know you. And I pray that you would use our church to make San Jose a hard place to go to hell from. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time, have a great day.